Good evening, and thank you so much for listening to the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks edition of Talking Sports with Evan. And, you know, it has a really nice ring to it. A couple weeks back, probably about a month or so ago, talking about, I think it was going into the Hawks series or the Nets series. I forget which series it was because the whole playoff is just so long. But anyway, talking about the playoffs, about the Bucks' chances of getting to this point, and various times it didn't look like the Bucks were going to get there, but by sure enough, the Bucks are your 2021 NBA champions, and there is quite the party in Milwaukee today. But before we do go into the parade, the game, and all that, I want to introduce uh, Tristan for coming on once again uh, to this time talk about a Bucks NBA championship season rather than – where do the Bucks go from here as it looked like it was going to be the case shortly after you and I talked last? Yeah, it was uh, It was looking real, real bleak again. We had the flashbacks and the trauma of past playoff performances and failures come back. And you hope for the best, but you were preparing for the worst. And you know what? It didn't happen. The best happened. And it's crazy to say the 2021 NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks is, is I can't put it into words, man. It's amazing. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is you do have the fans of, like, Brooklyn or Atlanta or wherever trying to throw their two cents in, kind of trying to throw shade. But at the end of the day, the Bucks were just better than you, that, you know, that particular series. You know, all the Bucks could do is control how they play. They couldn't control that Harden uh, had a bad hamstring with a minute into game one, and Kyrie came down on Giannis's foot, and – for some reason, I don't. I still can't understand how it happened, but Trey Young stepped on an official's foot. So just like last year, I don't take anything away from what the Lakers did, bubble or no bubble. I don't take anything away from what the Bucks did this year. To be perfectly honest, absolutely not. You know, <laughs> if if those other teams would have won the game when the Bucks were not 100% healthy, remember they're missing Dante DiVincenzo, who is huge on defense, and they were missing Giannis for the final two games of the Eastern Conference Finals. Had the Hawks went on and pulled that off, I don't think anybody would be talking, oh, well, Giannis was missing. No, they just love to slander Milwaukee and small markets. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what all those other people say. You blocked out the noise, you got the job done, and now everybody's looking up at the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, and it's a great feeling to have. And I guess, you know, and I was talking to you before we started the show, I'm very scatterbrained today. And I know as doing my show – telling my guests it's probably not the best thing to share because um, you want to be show yourself that you're prepared and you have all these notes and everything. But to be honest, like I said, I'm very scatterbrained today because there's so much to digest from the series against the, the Suns, the, the playoffs as a whole, the season, um, the path the Bucks took to get here to this point, um, bringing, you know, there's just so much to break down that it's hard to, kind of pinpoint which direction you want to go. But I think the first thing I want to start on is just the, the series as itself. Um, we, we all heard it after last year, after two years ago, that, you know, maybe Giannis just isn't that dude. Um, hmm. He struggled in the playoffs against the quote, the wall. And, you know, maybe he just isn't that dude. And I think it's safe to say not even including game six, I'm talking from game one to game five of the, the series against the Suns, and he just submitted it in game six. I think it's safe to say he is truly that dude. 
anybody who was thinking that he wasn't that dude was just not very smart for, for lack of a better term. I agree with that. (laughs) You know, this ring for most really solidified his career for me. All it did was just add to the greatness that was already there. You talk about a guy who's 26 years old, who's already a two-time MVP, who's a most improved player, who's defensive defensive player player of the year, who's an all-star MVP, all first-team All-NBA, first-team All-Defense. He's done everything you could possibly do in this league, minus the six-man award, which he said he wants to win. (laughs) (laughs) At some point in his career down the line, maybe that's possible. And if we can invent a time machine, maybe we can go back and get him the rookie of the year too. Rookie of the year. You didn't mention that too. I mean, he's done everything you could possibly do in this league, and he's only 26, and he's only getting better. So this really just adds to the greatness, and it really just – if anything, it's a shut-up ring. It's a, hey, you said this about me, shut up. You said this about Milwaukee, shut up. Nobody can say anything. You can try a slander, but you're going to look really, really foolish. Milwaukee Bucks are the champions, and he's the foundation. Yeah, definitely. And – Chris Middleton showed that, you know, he's somebody that can be depended on as a number two option because when he signed that long-term extension, all the talking heads and now you saw on social media is you're not going to win a championship with Chris Middleton as your number two. Well, guess what? They did. They won an NBA title with Chris Middleton as a number two. And in numerous times in this playoffs, he's, you know, Miami uh, round one, game one. Atlanta, uh Games three, uh, uh, five and six, Brooklyn, the closeout game, and there was one other game that series that escapes me that he had a huge game as well. And you know, he had some big moments in this series against the Suns. They don't, you know, as, as great as Giannis played, they don't win an NBA title without Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday this year. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it's funny you mentioned about the contract extension, people have been. Just griping about his contract. Funny story. So the day that he signed his contract, not this one, but the contract before, I was actually in studio with Dennis Krause. And that was one of the first things we were talking about was, was this a good signing? Um, How do we feel about it? Dennis felt really good about it. I felt really good about it. But when I spoke to other people, they're like, well, why are they re-signing him? He's, he's, He's not a good player. He's not a number two. You're not going to win a title with this guy. And all he's done is the same thing that Giannis has done. Improved every single year, be a factor on both ends of the court, continue to improve, continue to get better, continue to work. And now he's an NBA champion. Again, it's a shut up ring. It doesn't matter what anybody says. The people who know, know. And they had the faith in Chris Middleton that he was the number two. I've gone up and down with so many people, including those who I've been on podcasts with, that Chris Milton was that guy. He was the number two to Giannis's number one. And here we are, NBA champions, and he's a huge part of why they are. Yeah, and those two just complement each other so well. You know, Giannis is just a completely different breed of uh, superstar. You know, he's like, I don't need the ball in my hand in these right. closeout moments. You know, Chris can be that guy. Drew can be that guy. And, you know, Chris, especially, you know, those two, you know, the only two guys left from that 15-win team. And here they submit it with the series. And going to the series, I, for me personally, game one, I kind of threw game one out the window because Giannis' first came back from what looked to be a devastating knee injury. 
And if you look at game ones against Brooklyn, against Atlanta, against the Heat, the Bucks struggle a little bit as they kind of feel out the, the, the other team. I think game two, the score doesn't show it, but if I, I and I, I said this to a lot of people, if Holiday and Middleton play their season average, the Bucks win that game easily. Oh, yeah. They're much improved. And after game two, I I said, and you know, one of my buddies thought I was crazy for saying this. I said Bucks are still winning this in six. And I just I felt confident even in the loss in game two that they were going to finish and close this series out. There is just something in Giannis's eyes that I saw, and I just they were not going to be denied. And what were your thoughts in the first two games? And did you you know did you think it would be a seven game series or a six game series, or um, do you think it was going to be you know the way it looked after game one that maybe it just wasn't the Bucks here? I had faith just because of what they had endured in Eastern Conference Finals. You know, the very fact that they and – and I mentioned this on Toss this week, that the ups and downs of the regular season prepared them for this type of adversity. You know, they learned how to win games in very different ways. Now, I will admit, full disclosure, I thought after game two of the semifinals against Brooklyn that they would lose in six because they absolutely collapsed – uh, 17 points. I mean, it's, yeah. that was an absolute collapse. And again, we're thinking, here we go again. You know, it's it's that time of the year where the Bucks let us all down again. Um, but they 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 dug deep and they dug into that wealth of knowledge that they gained in the regular season from all the ups and downs on how to win, and they pulled that out in seven. So after game two of the finals, I'm thinking, yeah, they, they, it's two nothing. <laughs> they're going back to Pfizer where they're virtually unbeaten. Uh, you know, that, that game against uh, the Hawks was the lone blip, and that was by single digits. They lost a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're virtually unstoppable there. You hold serve there on home court. You just have to steal one game on the road, and I think they were more than capable of that. So I had faith they will win, and it's always bucks to six. Even if I think it's going to be a sweep, even if I think it's going to be seven games, it's always bucks and six. It's for the culture. Yeah, and they not only did it once this series, they did it twice with both Atlanta and um, the Suns. What we, because I know you've been a Bucks fan a very long time. Um, yeah. You know, I know you've been to a lot of games. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get. I I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've had season tickets before, right? Or no? At, at one point, uh, when yeah. I still lived in the in the great city of Milwaukee, but now yeah, longer. yeah. So you you've been you know Bucks fan for a long time. You know when that when uh, that clock's counting down after uh, I want to say it was Devin Booker missed the three, Tucker gets the rebound, and that clock starts running down. You know what thoughts were running through your head right then and there? Oh my gosh, that's happening. <laughs> it's it's really going to happen. There's there's not a a, a, a big point play. You know, they can't get it all back in one possession. There's no way that the Bucks can collapse and lose this lead with this amount of time. Oh, my gosh, they're really, really winning a title. I cannot believe this. You know, it's my mind and my body went back to my four-year-old self, which is when I first went to a Bucks game, 1986. <laughs> you know, way back when. Good team that made the Eastern Conference Finals as well, just couldn't get it over the hump. And I just remember how I felt being in that arena, seeing – these players who, you know, I only see newspaper clippings of, you know, wishing I could get to a game. And 
finally being there and just cementing my love for this team. It, all those emotions just came rushing to me. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it. Grown man tears did happen. Um, it, it was emotional. And it was, uh, I mean, it was, for me, many years of angst uh, before franchising, 50 years for a city, 50 years since the last major championship happened in the state. I mean, it's, um, I, I still have trouble putting it into words that would do it justice. It was just an outer body, amazing, incredible experience. It really was. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And I'm listening to Ted Davis's call. And I think that his, his signature, his clinching uh, comments, I think, is one that has to go down in the record book with some of the best. Um, yeah. You know, Milwaukee, we're at the top of the mountain tonight. Um, you know, I, I just – his call and then Dennis, you know, and, you know, I was more – you know, yeah, I'm happy for Ted, but I was extremely happy for uh, for Dennis. Uh, Crowdy, yeah. the, the color guy for uh, when the Bucks play at home on the Bucks radio network, and just hearing their voice as – the Bucks won. It brought tears to my eyes, and then obviously seeing Giannis and how you know it—it it wasn't quite the the Jordan laying on the floor in the locker room, uh, hugging. I, I want to say the basketball yeah. after he won the first finals after his father died, but just sitting there on the bench, just very uh, somber, you know, with tears coming down. That was a very moving moment, and of course, you know, he drops the f bomb during the the trophy presentation, which was yeah. funny. To listen yeah, yeah. to, it's like, ah, apparently we didn't catch that. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was very uh, exciting to watch, very um, fun series to watch overall. And yeah, it just definitely was. So I threw this question out there. At what point during the playoffs, and it could have been before the playoffs even, or even in the finals when the clock struck zero, at what point in the playoffs did you feel, and I'll give my response in a, mi- in a minute, what point in the playoffs did you fi- you know, realize that the Bucks could really do this this season? When they got through Brooklyn, that was really the test. Now, people will sit here and talk about how Kyrie was injured and how James Harden was at 100%, but they fail to forget that James Harden, his first game back, terribly, terrible shooting, just awful shooting. Shooting got better as the series went on. His playmaking was always there, so he was passing the ball very well. Um, so it's not like he was a liability out there. You know, he he was he was still producing, still made it very very difficult. The point that people forget that like to dispute and call into question the Bucks championship, put an asterisk next to it, is the fact that this went seven games. It went seven. The Nets had every opportunity to win this series, injured or not. They were still that good. You were not going to stop everything. They were up 2 all at one point. They were up 2 nothing, you know, and it, w- without all of the stars being at 100%, right? So you weren't going to stop KD. You know, KD is KD, but you can make it tough, and you can wear him down, and that's exactly what happened. They did what was necessary, which was wear out Kevin Durant, make everybody else work hard, you know, stop their role players, which they did make Kevin Durant work extremely hard for his points, play defense, and you could get that win. When it's overtime, everybody's exhausted, Bucks pulled that out. When that happened, because we've seen a situation like this before where the Bucks were up in the series, and you go to Toronto, and it's double overtime, 
and you had every opportunity to win that game and you didn't, and that began the downfall. When they overcame that adversity of being down 2 nothing in that series and it going seven and winning game seven on the Nets' home floor, it was at that moment I said, okay, when Kevin Durant was dapping up Giannis and saying, go get you one, every possession, go get you one. Kevin knew, and I knew, and I was firm that they were going to pull this off. I didn't care who they were facing in the Eastern Conference Finals. I didn't care who came out of the West. The Bucs were going to win because they showed that they were not the same team for the past two years. They were mentally tougher. They were physically tougher. And you see the results. Larry O'Brien Trophy is over at Pfizer Forum. So before I give mine, I did get a couple of responses on Twitter. Uh, Katie uh, Suderman uh, comments when they beat the Nets, so like you. And then Ty uh, Peters at Ty Runner, 0097. Game two of the Eastern Conference Finals against Atlanta. The team had a whole new look for the uh, playoffs, different than 2019. I think that's a good point. Um, after they kind of got their uh, embarrassed a little bit in game one in that series, you know, yeah. they came out completely different look and just completely annihilated uh, Atlanta in game two. Yeah. Um, but for me, and it, it's that net series as well. So we've seen the Bucks during the 2020-2021 season even when they fail to close it out. When, you know, we saw it against the Suns even that the Suns send the game to overtime. I think it might, might even went double overtime. Maybe I forget if it did or not. But there was that controversial play where they caught a foul on Tucker when Booker was shooting the shot and then free throws to win it. I can't remember if it was single or double overtime. Either way, we've seen the Bucks when – you know, when situations that happened at uh, game in game seven, when Durant nailed that shot with one second to go to send it to overtime, we've seen the Bucks fail to respond. And defensively in overtime against the Nets, the effort the Bucks put in, because obviously the Bucks were tired. Obviously yeah. the, the Nets were tired. But yeah. their defense, how well that defense played to keep it a two-point game when the Nets could have – multiple times finished off the game yeah. that showed me that this Bucks team is going to win the NBA title. Not that they have a chance is that they were going to win the NBA title. And that showed me a PJ Tucker out, as you said, since he got there, they're dogs. And he truly showed yeah. that they were dogs in game seven when uh, they get smacked in the mouth uh Thankfully, Durant is, you know, shoe, shoe size is a size bigger than usual, but yeah. they get smacked in the mouth with that jump shot by, by KD. Before that possession, that shot, you have the shot clock violation when Broke Lopez, the smartest player on the team, forgets yeah. about the shot clock. Crazy. Um, but they don't crumble. They, they, they bring it together. They go into overtime, and they get that victory. And right then and there, that's when I, I was a believer – that they were going to win the NBA title. Now, obviously, I had my – when Giannis went down, which looked like a season – not only a season ender, but a next season ender too, I had yeah. my doubts. But, you know, I knew they were going to get by Atlanta, but I didn't know if they were going to get by the Suns or the Clippers um, in the or the Clip, or the Suns at that time in the finals without Giannis. But, fortunately, he was able to come back. But that was the moment for me. And – Speaking of Tucker, you know, as a big move the Bucks made in March, huge. Are they hoisting the Larry O'Brien Trophy without him? No, 
I, I, I honestly don't. I, and people go, what, what, what do you mean? It, well, because he brought along with along with Bobby Portis, who also brings along uh, um, a tough mentality. He, he, he you heard him at the championship parade today. You know, we already had dogs. They just didn't know how to be dogs. Yeah. And that's what P.J. Tucker brought to the table. When And we spoke about this at length before. When he was traded for, and, you know, he played in the game, I was like, well, what, why are they playing him? And then he gets hurt, and like, see, this is a bad trade. I don't know how many times I had to tell people this is a postseason move. He's going yeah. to make his money and pay dividends in the postseason. That is why you go and acquire him. And that's exactly what he did. You look at his stat line in game six of the NBA Finals, the clinching game, it was terrible from a stats standpoint. But you're not there for him to go out there and score. You're not there for him to go out there and get 10 rebounds. You're out there for him to rough people up, play physically, and make it tough on yeah, the other team to do anything. And in game six, got his hand in there and just nailed the ball. So yeah, That's what you pay him for. That's what you bring him along for. And, it, and it's – it's what you call championship plays. And it's not always a big play. It's not always like an alley-oop, you know. It's not uh, always like blocking an alley-oop as a championship play. It's the little things that add up over time that make things very, very tough in a series for another team. And that's what P.J. Tucker was there for. So without him, I don't think that dog mentality that he so prominently talked about so many times, including today in the parade, uh, would have been brought out and – really put them over the top defensively, especially yeah, after I, losing Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah. That was huge. I completely agree with that. And, you know, he didn't have the best game six either. But when Dante went out, you're trying to figure out where are those, uh, you know, because Dante, he's an effort guy. You know, he's still – I think he's still developing his all what he is as an NBA player. But he brings a lot of effort. His hands are in the passing lane. He's crashing the boards. You know, he's giving maximum effort. And he can score from time to time when needed, as we saw in the regular season. But you got to wonder who's going to be that guy. And in the NBA Finals, shockingly, it was playoff Pat. Pat C. Grabbing key offensive rebounds, making key three-pointers. Um. I, I forget. I want to say, was it the Brooklyn series where he missed the three that everyone's scratching their head? Like, why is he the one getting that shot? Yeah. But we saw in the Sun series that he could nail those shots, and he uh, he had some big moments uh, in the Atlanta series, big moments in the in the Sun series. You know, he's another guy you got to say was an unsung hero uh, in these NBA Finals. Yeah, and I'll say this. And I said this on Toss as well. He did a great job of not trying to replace Dante DiVincenzo. He did a great job of being Pat Connaughton. You play within yourself. You do you. You stay in your lane. You continue to give that effort. You continue to be you. Do you. And that's exactly what he did. too hard in game six, but. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, and and that that three in in the the net series was head-scratching as well. But overall, Hell of a playoff run for him. Yeah. I think he just did a fantastic job of staying within himself for the most part. And, again, not trying to replace someone, but being the best version of themselves. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, you know, you're talking, you know, Pat there, he signed that contract in the offseason, which myself included was wondering, 
why are they giving him a three-year deal? <laughs> um, but you know, John Horst, uh, he's you know he he easily after two years ago when they fell to Toronto, and then last year when they fell to Miami, he easily could have just said, "Look, we are we're on the cusp of greatness with this this core that we have." You know, was it? it was Eric, you know Bledsoe, Giannis, Middleton, uh, Dante. Uh, you know, just name a few guys. Like he could have just rested on that core and said, "Let's run it back and let's." Because mm-hmm. before COVID, before the shutdown of the NBA, with Bledsoe, the Bucks are completely unstoppable. Like, I, and I honestly think they would have been the NBA champions last year if it wasn't for COVID. Um, obviously, bubble. The shutdown, all that's you know messed a lot of things up. Bucks couldn't get their, I think I don't think the Bucks could ever quite get their feet back. They're uh, in the bubble, especially with some of the off court stuff going on, you know, like in Kenosha, yeah. for example. Yeah. But Horace decided we need to do something. What we have right now is not enough, and he trades for Drew Holiday. Attempted to trade for uh, Bogdan, uh, but unfortunately it fell through. But after that trade fell through, they get Bobby Portis and eventually get PJ Tucker. So you got it. A lot of people you can, you know, tip your hat to with the Bucks. And I'm going to get to another one in a minute. A lot of guys you can tip your hat to with the Bucks this season getting to this point. But John Horace not sitting on his, you know, his hands saying that we already got, you know, two years in a row, we're the number one seed in the East. He said we have to get better. So you know he's another guy that you got to give a lot of credit to. You know, props to him for not saying, "Oh, we got Giannis, we can just throw anyone alongside of him if we're going to win a championship." No, you need certain things from certain people, and 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 he went and he found that. Uh, I think the Bogdanovich trade falling through was a blessing in disguise because you, you're Bobby correct. Portis, you were able to go and get Bobby Portis. You were able to get Bryn Forbes. You know, for better or for worse, you know he he got banished to the to the uh, to the nether realms uh, after you're able to get Corey Craig, which basically made you realize you need to get a PJ Tucker. I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that and that's still weird to me. It's just how he was not able to crack Mike Boonehoser's rotation. Uh, I I don't know. It, 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 some people say it's the shooting, but it's not like PJ Tucker was lighting the world on fire from three in a corner either. So that's still weird to me, but you know he's he's a champion too either way. So yeah. I mean he's he's waking up hatter. Um, but yeah, it allowed you to do other things, allowed you to get pieces that fit much better. And, and think about it: the two pieces you were able to get in Forbes and Portis were both, I believe, top five in NBA three point shooting. I mean, yeah. it, it's exactly what you needed. It's exactly what you needed to have alongside Giannis. And one thing that gets lost in all this um, is Giannis's maturity. The maturity of, I'm not going to barrel into people when the wall comes up. I'm going to trust my teammates. I'm going to find them. I'm going to kick it out. I'm going to put it right in the shooting pocket. And they're gonna either going to hit or they're going to miss. But we're going to play much. And his playmaking ability had skyrocketed in the playoffs. So it's, it's a combination of putting the right pieces around him, which is definitely John Horst. Congratulations to him. Um, and Giannis's maturity, continuing to work, continuing to to mature, and again, they're champions because of it. Yeah, and then, and it, it's hard to say this because he obviously has his work. He's not perfect, but Coach Bud, 
You know, you look yeah. at Coach Boonholzer. He uh, he has all the you know, and I I am one that I gave him a pass for not doing that well in the postseason in Atlanta because who you're running into when you're in Atlanta, LeBron James. You ain't getting past LeBron James back then. Right. It ain't, right. It ain't happening. So I kind of gave him a pass there, and that, so I kind of gave Toronto. I wouldn't say a pass, but it's like okay. He got to the Eastern Conference Finals. But the Miami series last year, and even Orlando, is where I start kind of questioning, is can he get it done? But he showed, you know, he got uncomfortable because he's a guy that he is, you know, set in his ways. This is the way we got to play. But he completely changed his approach. You know, he still, you know, went with some of the stuff he's comfortable with, but he also went with things that he's uncomfortable with, especially defensively. And he was really good adjusting from game to game, as we saw in the postseason. You know, game one, they struggled with this. Well, game two, they shut it down. Game three, they struggled with that. Well, game four, they had an answer. And I'm very impressed with the, I guess, the growth he showed as a coach this year, um, getting, you know, to this point. And he, you know, I I know some Buck fans are going to have a hard time accepting that as some I'm sure still want him fired for some reason but I think he's another guy that you probably don't get this far without him no he he was the right coach uh for this team and I you know I've I've called it a question his his adjustments in game before but you cannot deny the fact that he completely changed the way he coached he really did um especially after Giannis went down he had to completely change everything and he changed it on the fly. Even when Giannis came back, he still started to change and move the chess pieces in game. He's a very good game to game adjuster. We I think we've seen that. It's it's led them to, you know, the best record two of the last three years. All great stuff. But to be a championship level coach, you have to be able to make those adjustments on the fly during the game where the chess match is actually happening. And he's done that. He's shown propensity to do that now. Will he keep it up is a different story. Um, hopefully he does. But you can't deny Mike Budenholzer anymore. You know, no. he, he's a championship coach. When he does make – again, he's a very good game-to-game adjuster. But when he figured out that he needed to make subtle adjustments in the game, that's when he finally cracked that last level yeah. and finally got this team over the hump. I guess you kind of say it was a shut up ring for him too. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, exactly. I mean, and people still, I, I could have swore I saw a fire bud sign at the parade today. Just absolute stupidity. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, I want, I, I, part of me hopes that person was being funny. I, I hope so too. I hope it was very <laughs> sarcastic. I hope you were not serious. Um, and it seems like a lot of those fire bud abbeys that you all over Twitter, happen to be gone now. I have not seen them for a few weeks now. So it's been nice not to have to hear that. Kinkir, you know. and It's the great deodorant. Proving you wrong, Kinkir, because as you mentioned, you know, like the, a lot of the criticism was a lot of, you know, in-game adjustments and things like that. And he showed this year that he could do it. And, you know, during the regular season, the Bucks had to take a step back in order to achieve greatness. And that's exactly, exactly what they did. Yeah, they didn't play well at times during the regular season. 
rotations made you want to put your head through a wall. Oh, but yes. it was like what you said about PJ Tucker is he that was a postseason move. Everything Bud and the Bucks did during the regular season was a postseason move to get them ready to play Brooklyn, to play play Miami, to get through uh Atlanta, to beat the Suns. That's everything he did in the regular season was to get to the point where they're at now. So I hope I hope people understand exactly why I said what I said, where I would much rather have postseason success than regular season success. Obviously, I want to I want the team to qualify for the playoffs. I mean, that's not a question. So you got to have some level, some measure of regular season success. But I want the regular season to be a learning experience to get you prepared for those battles that you're going to face in the postseason if you have designs on winning a championship, because it's not going to be easy. No. It's not going to be easy. And that is exactly what happened this season, 46 and 26. They went through the ups and downs. They had great winning streaks and they had some puzzling losing streaks, but they were learning along the way. Boonhoser was trying new things and teaching these guys how to win games in different ways. And he was learning how to coach through adversity and win games in different ways. When you do that, you prepare yourself for the fires of the postseason. And we saw that they faced so much adversity, including thinking they were losing their star for a year plus, you know, not just the remainder of the season. You forged yourself and you survived all those fires. And again, you're now standing on top of the mountain with the Larry O'Brien trophy as NBA champions. You did exactly what you had to do. Definitely. And comment going to the parade now. And, you know, before I kind of take us through, you know, back in time, because a couple comments from a while back I want to bring up and kind of get your thoughts on. But I saw some people critical. I don't personally know why, because, you know, Brandon Jennings is still loved in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a couple of people kind of uh, on social kind of wonder why is he in this parade? Why is he acting like he won a title too? Um, I personally liked it. You know, Jennings, and for, for him and for the Bucks, unfortunately, it didn't work out. They had to move on from him, and they brought in, uh, at the time, Brandon Knight, who was the guy they wanted in the trade. And then and this is where John Hammonds uh, comes into play, uh, yeah. Chris Middleton, because I'm sure yeah. uh, Hammonds knew middle, like what Middleton could be because he was in Detroit uh, prior to coming to Milwaukee. Um, but Jennings, he's he still has love for Milwaukee. Milwaukee still has love for him. I don't have a problem with that. But I just kind of want to get your thought of seeing Brandon Jennings kind of being a focal point of this parade and everything. He said it, you know, it, <laughs> it, very confidently when they were going up against the Heatles, you know, that Miami Heat team, the Heatles. They were the, they were the eight, the Heatles were the one seed. And nobody in the world thought that the Bucs were going to win, even us diehards knew that the Bucs were not winning that, that series against that team. But he still came out with great confidence. Yeah, we're In six, we're going to win in six. The biggest smile on his face. And then on his uh, – when he was – when he came back to the Bucs, you know, in that time when he was with the Herd on G League, then they called him up and had some pretty good games with the Bucs. Uh, he even said it, hey, Bucks is six. It's for the culture. And that's what it was. It was, yeah. and he explained it. It's it's overcoming adversity. It's not so much winning exactly in six. It's it's overcoming adversity, and if it so happens to you know, it's, it's displaying the toughness of the city 
when it's all about the grit, the determination, the toughness of Milwaukee, which it very much is, and overcoming all of those obstacles to achieve the ultimate. That is why he was there, because he is very much a part of setting the culture, whether people like it or not. You talk about this as a kid who had a 55-point game in his rookie season. He is a Bucks legend every step of the way, maybe not to the lengths of a, of a Kareem or now a Giannis, but he set the foundation for this. He, he set the culture, and teams after him are the ones that really started to begin fulfilling it, and this team definitely fulfilled that. So yeah. Brandon Jennings is forever part of Bucks culture. People are going to have to get over it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I just it, I wanted to get your take on that, and you, I couldn't have said it better than you did. Definitely couldn't have said it better than you. So kind of want to take a, a trip in the way back machine here. Um, so John Henson, former Buck Center, tweeted out um, that when the new ownership group took over, one of the first comments they made to the team was within five years, and yeah, the timeline didn't quite match up, but still, they said within five years, we're going to win an NBA cha- championship. And I remember when their initial press conference, they were talking about that, or it might even been when the Pfizer groundbreaking, it was one of the two, but they had mentioned that we're bringing a Larry O'Brien to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And for me, I enjoyed hearing it, but I'm a Bucks fan that was used to, and by no disrespect, because Herb Cole did a lot of good things for the Bucks, like keeping them Just in Milwaukee. But the base since the the big three in 2001, mm-hmm. um, it to me the Bucks had no no plan, no direction. They were just comfortable getting that eight seed, getting that extra home playoff, you know, the extra home game, getting that you know that playoff home game revenue, and just complacent with that. And they didn't really seem to have a plan. So when I hear the owners talk about that, I'm like, yeah, but show me. And right. the, the fact that then they. You know, and I was kind of surprised at this because new ownership group, um, you're kind of thinking they're going to want to, you know, do something big in a positive way right away. But instead, they're fine with, you know, and I'm not, I'm, they're fine, I guess I'm just going to use the word, they're fine with tanking in order to get that top, you know, a possible top pick in the draft. They end up getting Jabari. Um, but to me, that started to show that the plan was in place. Let's own the future. They, and to me, they finally had a plan in place. So to me, that's when they started. I started seeing that, you know, it might take a while, but the Bucks have, you know, they actually have a future now. When they yeah. started talking with the own the future tagline and then Giannis uh, grows up probably quicker than they thought he would. Um, but what were your initial thoughts when the owners are coming in Bucks really have no direction except let's get that eight seed so we get that extra revenue. Um, they come in and start talking about wanting to win championships. Like, what was your initial reaction? Like, mine was, yeah, but show me. Yeah, we, we in Wisconsin live a very weird life when it comes to sports because uh, you have up in uh, uh, Lambeau Field, you know, where the Green Bay Packers are, it's, it's a team that's, that's owned by the public. You know, so it's not one owner in there, you know, uh, making all the decisions, you know, a la Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. You, you have uh, down in Milwaukee with the Brewers. We lived through the C-League era 
you know, it's, <laughs> you know, like we lived through that era where they, it just seemed like they just did not give a damn about the product that was on the field. Um, and then you live through the coal era, which nothing but love and peace to Senator Cole. Again, saved Wisconsin NBA basketball on multiple occasions, you know, so he will always forever have my gratitude and my thanks for that. But he was in that chase the eight mentality. There was no real, as you said, no real plan or strategy to truly own the future. And then in come these guys and, you know, these hedge fund billionaires and, you know, from New York and they got this attitude and, well, we're going to win it in five years. Okay, show me. Much like, show me. Okay. And then they start making subtle changes. The the advertisements got better. Uh, The logos got better. They got more meaning into it. Uh, The uniforms got better. got more meaning into it. Tied in the actual city. Um, the way that the Bucks were presented, uh, the, the the things that they did with the community and the, the reach outside of Milwaukee, throughout the entire state that they now have, it, it has been an incredible turnaround. But much like you, I was like, okay, I need to see this because we live through the Sea Lake era. We live in a state where the public owns the team, but it's one president pretty much decisions on everything else. You, you're going to have to show us that you're not like everybody else that's trying to make a buck off the team and then sell it or maybe even take it to another state and another city. Um, so I was very much in the same spot as you. You got to show me. And boy, have they ever. Yeah. And I think it started with John Hammonds. Uh, and I think he was GM a little bit for Herb Cole, too, if I'm not mistaken, right? I don't I think recall. they overlapped a little bit. But either way, bring John Hammonds in. Well, he drafted Giannis, so yeah. Because I think Cole was still the owner when Giannis was drafted. I think it was right at the, uh, you know, I think it was right after uh, that draft, short, uh, sometime during that year. Um, I can even look it up right now. I have it in front of me. So, but, yeah, 2013 is when Giannis was drafted. I think that's the same year. Uh, yeah, that's just uh, April of 2014. That's when uh, Cole agreed to sell the team. So, yeah. So John Hammonds, you know, I think he his moves show started to show some subtle changes too with drafting of Giannis, mm-hmm. trading for Middleton and Brandon Knight, and uh, then when the new owners came aboard, it seemed that Hammonds had a little bit more freedom out there. He left depending on your opinions of him, fortunately or unfortunately for Orlando, you know, and then John Horst pretty much just finished the job that Hammond was already started and not bad job for a guy who was the second choice for the GM. You know, he wasn't yeah. the top guy, the guy yeah. with the, the bowls right now, that's who the owners wanted. <laughs> yeah. This guy came out of nowhere. And I, and I remember talking about this on, on home course sports with, uh, with Eugene Pitchford and, and Lamont Westmoreland. Um, that he was the wild card in all of this. You know, he was now going he was now pegged with the responsibility of being the architect of a championship team. Because that was what the owners wanted. You know, <laughs> it was it was nothing less. They were not going to accept anything less. Otherwise he would have been out on his keister too. So it, okay, how do we go about this? You know, and he's he's got a fun job now because now they're a luxury tax team <laughs> because of <laughs> Drew Drew's one million dollar bonus for winning the NBA <laughs> championship. Uh, and you don't want to be a repeat offender because <laughs> that hurts even more. But I think the ownership will be happy to pay that luxury tax this season. Um, yeah. it, 
it, you know, like I said, it, it's. I'm so glad that ownership put a plan in place and that plan has come to fruition. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's wonderful to see somebody say what they're going to do. You actually see the work that's been put in. You see the changes, you feel them and you bear the fruits of them now. You know, it's, it's just incredible to see. And, and the one thing I, I and before I, I do let you go, the one thing, one of the things I do like with this ownership group, they tend to stay out of the basketball operations. They let, they let, well, they let Peter Fagan do the, you know, the, the what he does on the marketing and all that side. And they let Horst and Budenholzer be the, 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 the architect of the team. I think the one biggest blunder they had and it ended up <laughs> looking good for a, a blink of an eye. I know where the you're one going. The wonder they had is the whole Jason, the whole Jason Kidd situation. Oh. Is you, so Jason Kidd tried to have tried to throw a coup d'état in Brooklyn. Yeah, wanted to be team president or GM as well as coach. Didn't work out. They trade for Jason Kidd. Why they still have Larry Drew as their coach? Crazy. And so now you have to fire Larry Drew, who kind of got a raw deal, being the happened to be the coach at the time when the Bucks decide, you know, if we do, you know, become a top three lottery pick team, it's fine. The first time in a while that they went that direction. So he kind of got a raw deal there. Yeah. You know, because I personally like Larry Drew. Like, I hate cutting audio of him because it's hard to find sound bites because <laughs> he just, talks and run on sentences but overall i thought you know he was a coach that was a little underappreciated but the whole bringing jason kidd in to me is one blunder that they that they had now kid did do a couple you know you know they did make the playoffs under kid numerous a few times but to me that's like i think that's where their biggest blunder comes in they got involved in the basketball operations and it almost came back to you know bite him in the ass you know, I'll, I'll say this. It, I don't know if it was so much ownership meddling in the basketball operations as it was Jason Kidd being an absolute swindler because he leveraged that friendship that he had with ownership into that yeah. job. You know, he saw what they were trying to do. Oh, you guys own the team now. Oh, you got this young superstar. I could get my hands on him. I love to get my hands on him. You know, I love to get my hands on Giannis. That, 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 that's, you know, this is when Giannis was a budding star. You know, this was when he was just yeah. starting to come on and people still didn't know how to pronounce his name at that point, but he was just starting to turn heads a little bit. It, it, and and now he's, now he's the Dallas head coach. I mean, good luck Dallas, man. Um, yeah. But it, it was him really swindling his way into that job, leveraging his friendship with ownership and ownership, making a decision and allowing it to happen and allowing it to go on as long as it did. Now I say when he, a few years later, they were going to let him go the entire season, but they did not. <laughs> they, they, they cut him loose mid-season, which we were all shocked. Phone blew up crazily. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be the biggest blunder they had. You had Larry Drew, uh, which uh, I think Larry Drew is a very good coach, but he was not given a very good team to coach. Yeah, I mean this that that team was just god awful. <laughs> and and then to Mayo, have him take pictures. Carlos De La, uh, De, De Fon, I can't even say his name. Zaza, <laughs> Gary Neal. <laughs> yeah, I mean a bunch of all stars, right? You're yeah. not winning with those guys. You're not winning very many teams. You're not winning very many games 
uh, with those guys as, as, as your main focal points. Um, but to have Larry Drew come in and, and he's taking pictures with Jabari after they drafted them and he's talking about how he's going to use them and, and all this and that. And then all of a sudden, well, they just hired Jason Kidd, but Larry, you're still the head coach. Well, somebody's going to, I can only imagine how that conference went, how that, that meeting went amongst ownership. I'm not firing him. You fire him. Uh-uh. You the one that wanted Jason Kidd. You fire him. No, I ain't got nothing to do with it. Who did they draw straws? Did they like what did they did they play horse to, to, to see who was gonna have to go and fire Larry Drew and try to get out of this mess? I don't know, but you're absolutely right. That was the one do it. <laughs> probably. He's a good guy. He'll do it. He'll do it. But you're absolutely correct. That that's the one one big blood that made. Thankfully, you know, and I think they really learned from that because they really haven't made a misstep after. No. I think the, the GM it ended up working out the GM uh, the GM situation with Horst when he finally got the job. I think that's the only other one um, because you kind of got to it where they couldn't decide. I know it was Lazary Edens and there was one other member of the ownership group who named Escapes Me. They all wanted somebody different. And then it, yeah. that became a kind of a joke before they finally set on uh, horse. And but then they all that, trade they governorship. Yeah. And so it's like they all trade governorship and it's like, oh, well, we're going to stall on this move until, you know, this guy's the governor. And it, it's just it, it was it was that was that was another small misstep. Wasn't really as colossal as the Jason Kidd misstep, which I, I'm not going to horse did a good job out of it. Yeah. And I'm not going to completely diss Jason Kidd. I mean, he did give some good nuggets of knowledge to Giannis. I will give him that. Don't get me wrong. He didn't make Giannis who he was. Giannis was going to be a star regardless. It didn't matter who was the head coach. He was going to be what he was regardless. That's just the type of person, type of player that he is. He did give him some facets of the game and knowledge about the game that can only come from a Hall of Fame point guard. So in that regard, he did have a hand in the development of Giannis, but he didn't make Giannis who he was. So people need to stop with that. Yeah. I think Budenholzer probably gets more, should get more of that credit for the fact that he 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 put a system in place that plays to Giannis's uh, greatness. What he yeah. does extremely well. Get a yeah. bunch of shooters around him and try to clear out the paint and let him do his thing. Yeah, and, and in this postseason, he saw that he understood that they have an advantage in the paint that no other team has. And they're going to have to attack, attack, attack. And that's exactly what he did. At times he didn't. At times they went away from it. You know, it's it's real easy to fall back into bad habits, which he did. But then he steered, you know, the ship back in, in, in line. And uh, and they went on the attack. And, again, they're NBA champions, man. Like, how – just – it feels good to say it. Milwaukee Bucks NBA yeah. channel, but it's so good. And I just I'm, – I'm so happy and so proud of this franchise, man. It was a long time coming. Yeah, I am as well. And, you know, every time I think of it, I can't stop smiling. I got uh, some of my championship shirts coming. I don't know yes. how long I have to wait till they get here, but I Probably got August. them coming. <laughs> Racine doesn't have a Dicks anymore. So I I, I couldn't what? run to Dicks the, you know, the day they won the championship to uh, to go get myself a shirt or the next day. Because I would have to go uh, about 30 to 45 minutes into Kenosha or hmm. go, you know, 30 to 45 minutes into Milwaukee to try to get my stuff. So, but yeah. I did order some shirts and I'm just waiting for them to get here and I can't wait to wear them, you know, with even more pride than I already, you know, do, you know, 
cheer on my buck, you know? Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I'm, I'm waiting. They're saying August. Okay, I'll wait. Maybe they'll be yeah. here in time for State Fair because your boy will be down there eating up all the cream puffs. There we go. So I do want to thank you for coming on. I know last time I had you on, we talked about, you know, after the final or after the Bucks season ended, either talking about a finals victory, preferably, or where the Bucks go from there, which I do think there's some uh, some conversations to have, like where do the Bucks go now? I don't mm-hmm. think right now is the right time to have it because, as Yana says, it's time to party. Um, yeah. But obviously, I will like to get you on down, you know, down the road when the partying has settled down to kind of talk about where do the Bucks go from that go from here? Because you mentioned, you know, they're in the you know luxury tax now, and you got some tough decisions to make to try to become a two-time back to back NBA champion, a three-time champion. Um, but for now. You know, let's just have the fun, have the party. And you had mentioned that you recorded your stuff yesterday. You know, where can uh, listeners and viewers find it? Hey, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Toss, Trishan on Sports Show, available every Wednesday. Brand new episodes. We're 90 episodes in. Close it on the episode mark. It's crazy. Uh, go ahead and watch that. TossMedia.com for your home, the Toss brand. So. Facebook.com slash Tion Sports Show. That's T-O-N Sports Show. So um, for Twitter, they can obviously find you at the 20 double. And for me, it's at Evanwood Sports. So with that, thank you for those that were watching live. Thank you for those that are going to be listening anywhere podcasts are found. And until next week, uh, hope you all enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. And uh, final that, end it with Bucks and Six. Bucks at six for the culture.